from American Salon Magazine and .com. This is American Salon Stories, a weekly podcast featuring some of the most interesting people we know. Welcome, everybody. I'm Gordon Miller, host of the American Salon Stories podcast and CEO of Hairbrain.me. I am excited once again to have a really powerful guest today, Carrie Davis Duffy, renowned owner of the award-winning San Diego-based Gila Root Salons. She's an inspiring educator, thought leader, and coach in business, and a passionate proponent of the power of culture to propel salons forward. She's also a wife and a mother, and because she has so much spare time on her hands, Carrie is also the founder of Beauty Backbone, a powerful salon training and coaching program. Welcome to the American Salon Stories podcast, Carrie Davis Duffy. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So we've been trying to do this for a long time. So uh, it's um, it's especially exciting. So so uh, again, welcome and thank you for being brave enough to download and and redecipher Skype. We do record these by Skype. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if I had been on the other end of the invitation and I hadn't used Skype in a while, I I, I would have it would have taken me a while to hop on. So thank you for that. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun to get into something new. Always. <laughs> always. So let's start out by introducing you to our audience. Why don't you give us kind of the short version of, of who is Carrie professionally and, and also kind of what's a typical day in your life look like? Uh, well, who I am professionally as a salon owner. So we, we have uh, three Aveda Lifestyle Salons. And yes, I'm a salon owner, but my passion is always to help facilitate growth in people. And we, we just do that by virtue of having salons. So I get to work with amazing human beings every single day. Um, and I also uh, help to write and um, teach uh, Aveda Business College. And I get to travel all over the country and work with amazing salon owners and managers and stylists and uh, on profitability and sustainability and uh, business systems and just, you know, how to take it to the next level. So that's another one of my jobs. And then we just launched a brand new company in January called Beauty Backbone. And our journey in the salons around education has been uh, so extensive. And we are really at such an amazing, uh, amazing time in our education system that um, we've had so many people interested in having us consult and help them with education. So we've just launched a new company called Beauty Backbone. And uh, underneath that company, we um, have an amazing in-salon education platform that uh, we're helping salons to grow their education department in their salon. So busy, busy girl, a day in the life, a day in the life. I mean, I'm also a wife. I'm a mom. So I get to, you know, go home uh, every every night and wake up every morning to have a beautiful nine-year-old son whose name is Shia and my wife, Laura. And um, so, you know, just like every other family, we're up and school and camps and um, and then off to whatever location of choice for the day where I get to go and cheerlead and connect with people. And, uh, you know, and inside the course of the day, it's just working on not only what's next for us as a salon group, but also what's next for Beauty Backbone and um, and Aveda Business College. And I have amazing managers. I have a great business partner, Carla Lopez Martinez. And, you know, we're all collaborators on kind of what's next for the bigger picture. So, um, 
I, I have nothing to complain about. I have an <laughs> amazing full life, that's for sure. I think a sign that you must be doing something right is that you have had the time and the ability to put new projects together like Beauty Backbone. And so I want to I want to kind of to go take you back a little bit and talk about your journey um, that's led you where you are today. So how long have you been a salon? Well, how long have you been in the industry? And, and then at what point did you become a salon owner? And connected to that, I want to have you end with, and at what point did you feel you had gotten your business to the point where you had confidence that you can be out doing other things? Gosh, I think I'm just a multitasker by nature. And um, so right when I think my plate is full, the minute I take something off and kind of get a little relief, I don't, something ends up back on it again. People say, you know, you're doing this to yourself, right? And I say, no, I am. I don't know how this keeps happening. But <clears throat> I've been in the salon industry for 31 years. So I'm a, hair, I'm a hairdresser. I'm a hair cutter uh, by trade. And um, I worked in two different salons um, in the very beginning of my career. And you know, 30 years ago, when I was looking 31 years ago, 32 years ago, when I was looking for a job, I really was looking for a company that I could work in that I felt like I could be taken care of just like any other industry. I didn't really realize the salon industry is very unique and was very unique back then. It wasn't like, oh, uh, join this company and you too can get a 401k and paid vacations. I mean, it's just, it was... Um, very different, right? Our industries. So I think on my quest to find that, I felt like the the only way to do that was to develop it because I wasn't finding it in San Diego. And so six years after I had been in the industry, um, I asked my mom uh, if she wanted to go into business with me. And my mom, who's not in the industry at all, who has major blind faith, obviously said, sure, you know, so, um, so that landed us really 25 years ago, this year is our 25 year anniversary at Gila Root from the time our first location opened to today. And um, so, you know, we began our journey um, 25 years ago with uh, one location and this upstairs location in Hillcrest in San Diego, we were in a 1000 square feet. And there was, I think, seven of us that opened the salon. And at that time, I was working for Paul Mitchell, traveling and doing education uh, and also doing hair in the salon. So when we opened the salon, uh, I was still traveling, doing education, a platform work. And then uh, I was a hairdresser in the salon as well, as well as owning it and then trying to put together an education program because obviously from early on, education was really, really important to me. It's always been personally one of my core values. And so... When did you make kind of the change in the kind of education you were doing? Because you said you were doing platform work. And I know now you're really steeped very deeply in business education. And so when, when did that kind of transition happen for you? Many moons ago, when I was working for Paul Mitchell, um, I'd always been very interested in the business angle. And that was before I, I opened my salon or we opened our salon. Um, and I remember back then, um, I, you know, I worked, like I said, for Paul Mitchell and, and there was a distributor in San Diego and I worked with Gene Bra and Robert Cromines and, um, and when Clayball was just then kind of coming onto the circuit with Paul Mitchell as a speaker. And I remember a really good friend of mine who ran the distribution, Kevin McCowan said, Hey, how do you feel about 
doing a business program if we put together this program. And, I, and he said, I was thinking it would be you and Wynn Claybaugh and Robert Cromines. And, and we would put together this business program called the Art of Business. And it would be, we would do it in like 12 different cities. And I thought to myself, okay, you know, I'm always saying, okay, before I really know what I'm getting into, <laughs> I'll do a business program. I mean, I don't own a business, but I'll do a business program. Um, and so we wrote this program with the help of Kevin and, um, and we took it on the road and it changed the course of how I did business personally in my own, in, in the salon that I was working in. And, um, and I felt at that time that I could make a bigger contribution talking about this kind of work than, than doing hair on stage. I loved doing hair on stage, but I felt like this work and talking about changing or elevating business practices could really change the way how people get paid. And what people's source of income could be and how we can change the experience for the customer. And I, I think it was in that moment that really felt to me like I had a, a, a little bit of a different calling than doing hair on stage. And so I followed it. I, I so love that. And I, I have to take a sidestep for a moment and, and um, say, we did a podcast a while back with Robert Cromies. He's actually the number one most downloaded podcast on, on the American Salon um, pages. And so anybody who's listening, I encourage you to go back and listen to Robert. And then Wynn, Wynn and I are longtime friends and he and I were texting last night and he's going to be doing a podcast in just a few weeks. So I, I'm thrilled you mentioned both those names. Um, Robert, of course, has this really unique way of presenting business and and has really helped so many people and I, so I find it so interesting that you're you're part of the beginning of that program at Paul Mitchell um, how w if there's a big idea or one or two big ideas from those days that you've taken forward and and continued to carry forward into your business um, can you share those I think that it always boils down to the customer right? I mean, we can track our numbers, which is a whole nother conversation. I think you and I will have a little bit later um, as technicians, but it's what are we offering the customer? And that's where it always starts. And that's where it started then. And I think it starts with that vision when we decide we want to get into the beauty industry. It's to change lives. It's to contribute to our customers. It's how can we make people feel and look beautiful? And then what happens? And, and I think we I, I want to venture to say 99% of us get caught in this rut that sometimes we get so caught up and I'm trying to get customers that we're not giving everything to the customers we have. And then once we get busy, we think, um, we're, we think, oh, I just have to get through this day because I'm 10 deep. And so what gets, what gets kind of overlooked a little bit is taking that deep dive and really remembering what it feels like to be a customer. And those are the kind of things we talked about back then. And those things have not changed today, at least for me. The only difference I think in, in elevating that is when we, when we do talk about numbers is our numbers really is just a gauge to give us feedback on how we're doing with our customers. So now we have gauges to say, how are we doing? As opposed to it just being, I feel like I'm doing great with my customer. No matter how many big ideas we have, our industry is about making a contribution to our customers' lives. There are so many things that go into doing that, which is making sure that 
we're balanced in our own life. We can only give what we have. And um, so, you know, I think the older we get, the more we can start to fold those ideas in. Um, but it, it never really changes uh, besides what's in front of us in that moment. What you said about numbers, you know, I, I can't help but but think this. I, I know a lot of our listeners are are very active on social media. They're paying attention to social media. And and of course, there the numbers, you know, we, we live with those numbers very often in the moment. Um, people are looking at how many followers they have. They look at their engagement rates. They, they look at a variety of analytics to see how they're doing. And so I think we have this new generation who has an appreciation of numbers, at least in the social media context. And I do want to kind of jump quickly to numbers and, and because I want to say to the audience, if you're paying attention to numbers relative to your life on social media and you're not paying attention to your numbers and the work you do behind the chair or the work you do as a salon owner or manager, you're missing out in a very big way. What would you, what would you say is just kind of an overall kind of a, a context to the idea of the math of beauty? Well, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head because there is such a huge focus on social, which I think is is important. So I think having balance in what we're looking at and how we're gauging things is about balance. And this generation coming in is very, very focused on social, which I think some of the older generation can really learn from because um, it's a marketing strategy right? That's really what it is. And it doesn't really matter how good you are. And it doesn't matter how many clients you have in your chair, how many repeat clients are saying, I have to get in with this person because I look and feel amazing. It is a game of marketing. I feel like, you know, that's one piece of who we are in the industry. And sometimes because of how it's blowing up right now, it feels like the piece as opposed to a piece um, so, you know, it's to take a step back and say that is a metric. And then now when I go into the four walls in my business, what are the other metrics that are giving me feedback? So that those numbers are a feedback. If I don't have high numbers in my social on my social platforms, maybe um, I could look at who does and market myself a little bit differently. And then I have to be able to say the same thing um, when I'm inside the salon or spa or whatever, you know, four walls I walk into every single day. And a really quick story, um, uh, I, I I love asking my staff who they're following. Um, uh, a lot of my staff are much younger than I am. <laughs> and so I say, look, who are you following? Who's hot? Um, and of those people, who should we bring in for education, right? Mm. Because like, that's how we plan our advanced training in our salon. That's different than our train you kind of training, our advanced training. We have a calendar about every three or four times a year. We look and we go to the staff and we say, who do we want to bring in? Who's really relevant right now? Who's, who are you following? And, um, I had a couple of my, uh, team members go to an education this past weekend, um, of somebody that they've been following that has a gazillion followers and they couldn't wait to go to this it was a color class and um, they went to the color class. So we did a debrief this past week. How was it? You know, and he said, yeah, it was pretty good. I picked up a couple of things. And wh- one of the major things I picked up is just because someone has a ton of followers um, doesn't necessarily mean that the work is always fabulous. And I just thought, well, I thought, wow, that that's an interesting takeaway for my team to talk to me about, right? So they did get stuff out of, but it just goes back to my core belief, which is, you know, numbers just talk about a behavior um, around whatever specific thing we're looking at. So 
our numbers on social give us specific feedback on how we're marketing ourselves. You know, and it's interesting in, in what you said about the, you know, their aha about whoever they were with. There's something bigger in that idea, I think, because, you know, there's this, um, we're always judging, making decisions um, in a good way, I think, uh, about what we're seeing around us. And sometimes we're quick to make assumptions and it's, it's, Good to have that reality check, and and I always think of just you know my career path and what I've seen over the, the course of the career before we had social media, and I would say it reminds me that just because someone has a full book doesn't mean their work is that good. How That's many right. people? Just because someone has a full book doesn't mean they they are meant to be an educator because some people get to that point where I'm so busy, I'm so good, therefore I should educate. But that's a whole different skill set. And not everybody is up for that. So it's interesting, um, you know, to to not only look at the numbers, but to have this other context, I think, that can uh, to help inform us. Well, I mean, that just goes back to I, I'm such a, you know, uh, I think that's how a lot of being a salon owners have come into play, right? Like I was so busy or I'm such a good hairdresser that my next step is obviously to be a salon owner. And I, I work with a lot of these people as I'm tra- in my travels and I, I'm thinking to myself, okay, the two have nothing to do with each other. They're totally different skill sets. There's a great book. Um, and I haven't recommended this one yet on the podcast. It's an, kind of an old school book, but it's still very, very relevant. It's called The E-Myth. Um, e dash myth. Yes. Michael Gerber and the whole premise of the, the book and, and E meaning um, entrepreneurial. So the myth of, of being an entrepreneur, which is that if you're really great at something that you should open a business related to that. If you're a great hairdresser, you should be a business owner in, in, for, of a salon. If you're a great baker, you should be, you should own a bakery. And he really goes through a, 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 some great storytelling to show how not true that often is, yes. how, how many lives and careers um, can be negatively impacted, can be destroyed by making the wrong choices and how important it is that you're thoughtful and self-aware before you take that leap. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So everybody look for, for the E-Myth. If you're thinking about opening a business, I, Love I rec- that rec- recommend it so strongly. So you and your salon team and your salons were the winners of Naha's very prestigious Masters of Business Award a few years back. Um, that's a big deal. That's a huge validation. So belated congratulations, number Thank one. Thank um, Talk a little bit about what makes your salons so unique at, at you know, what's, what's the core of that? I think as a salon owner, uh, you always think that your salon is, is the unique one. So sometimes I don't, I don't know what separates us. Um, because when you're so busy kind of working under your own hood, um, you're just doing the best you can with the information you have or the education you're, you know, you're gathering. Um, I, I do know that, relationships are very important to me and to my business partner and to our culture. Uh, that's, and I don't know that I'm unique in that sense. I think when you combine that with, I have a passion for numbers, which I really didn't know that I had, uh, until I started doing business programs and I'm like, wow, you know, that's, that's amazing feedback. And I have such a passion for how numbers, um, and not the numbers themselves, but just what they mean translate into gauging what behaviors we we should could uh, be doing while we are while we are in our business. And I don't know if this is a, a unique characteristic or character trait, but I 
have a passion to continually look in the mirror and say, how can we, how can I get better, stronger and empower the people around me? And, um, you know, even in the face of conversations that might not be that easy, in the face of adversity, I'm still standing for what our culture is, standing for what our core beliefs are, and um, and and not very often compromising. I can't say that I never compromise. Um, I do fold uh, and get weak knees once in a while, um, but it, when I do that, it is a very strong reminder that um, we have a very strong foundation that I can rely on, even if it doesn't feel good sometimes to make decisions to stay true to what that foundation is. And, um, and that may, may be a, a, a distinction or a factor. Well, and I, and I think much of what you describe leads me to think about the word culture, which I know is another important one to you. And, and I think what you just said very much kind of informs the culture that you've surrounded yourself with. And so talk a little bit about the bigger idea of culture, because I think it's something that so many business owners are in search of. And um, I I think easier said than done. I think there's just an assumption that there is a culture. And I I find more often than not small businesses struggle to have a culture that's recognizable. Yeah. I mean, I think that as an owner, when you think back for those owners out there or even people that are thinking about owning or that have their own little businesses or whatever your path is, is that for myself, when I, when I thought my mom and I were talking about opening a business, you know, we, we had a dream of what it would look like and feel like and smell like and run like. I mean, you have this vision of like, oh my God, this is what my business is going to look like and my surroundings. And, um, and then relationships start to happen. So you have this vision and you, you, you know, get a second out on your house or you get a big loan from a, a bank and, you know, you're in it for like, this is it, right? You, you sink or swim. And, um, and, so you have this vision and then you open your business and then you start developing these interpersonal relationships and then no one no one really wants to have the conversations that need to be had to stay true to um, what that vision is or we don't know how to communicate in different ways what we expect from the people around us to stay true to that vision or culture, be it our day-to-day talks be it um, what does our education entail? Because education to us isn't just about, let me teach you how to cut hair, color hair, blow dry hair. It's what are our core values? Um, what are the behaviors that we expect to see under this roof if you're going to work here? I mean, these conversations happen in the interview. And, um, it, and I mean, we have job descriptions. You know, I talked to some salon owners. Okay, raise your hand if you have a job description. I, two people raise their hand. So our job descriptions and our um, our mission statement, those are living, breathing things that go on day to day that are talked about all the time. And I think that breeds life to the culture that um, that we dreamt of, that helps us to stay on track with um, where we want to go as a company. And it's very hard when you become very close with the people that you're working with, when they're making requests or coming in late or coming in out of dress code or, um, acting in a certain way or coming in hungover, whatever, whatever the case may be that we all go through. It's about making those tough conversations that this isn't about 
how I feel about you, this conversation. This is about staying true to the culture that you chose to work in. And it's, it's those conversations and then celebrating people that are completely in alignment with that culture. And it's just something, you know, I have this saying that either you create the culture or the culture gets created for you. So cultures are formed by a group of like-minded people. And if we allow the like-minded people that are not like (laughs) our vision to kind of take over, then you have a culture that may not be recognizable to you or something that maybe you feel, I didn't sign up for this. But when we sign up to be a leader, we also sign up to have the conversations to make sure that our companies can, you know, grow and blossom in the way that we dreamt of. I love that. And and while we're talking, I, 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 I Googled, um, <laughs> cause I love Google, um, the word culture. Um, cause I, I think sometimes, you know, words are so powerful, first of all. And I think sometimes maybe we're not all on the same page when it comes to what we're talking about here. So I want to say what Google says, you know, culture is defined as the behaviors and belief characteristics of a particular group of people, behaviors and beliefs. And, um, and, and then I want to jump to job descriptions as a connection to that, um, especially behavior, because, you know, we all know people who've struggled with their staff or staff who've struggled with management. And you're so right that it's so rare to find a salon that has job descriptions. And as a person in business a long time, I think the benefit of a job description is is that it allows for accountability, you know, to ourselves, to our team. And when things aren't right, my hope is that you can pull out the job description and point at something and say, here's where we need to do some work. Oh, yeah. I mean, it becomes, it's our hiring tool. People in our job descriptions, we go through because we do, when people get hired, they go through a week long orientation before they're even introduced onto the floor of the salon. And, and, and part of that is because we believe so strongly in our culture. Um, but part of that week is um, a foundations course where they go through, you know, uh, along with being hired, they go through the job description. But inside that foundations piece, we go through point by point and they initial that they understand what that point is. So we show up to work, you know, 15 minutes before our scheduled shift initial. You know, we don't chew gum on the floor initial, you know, we, we believe in teamwork and then we have that described initial. So when somebody first comes in, they, they get hired on that. Then we go over it, each thing and what that really means in detail. And then if we see that people are, you know, not possibly lining up with, with those behaviors, we get to bring that back out and say, okay, look, you know, remember when you first got hired and in your foundations course, and you know, these are your initials here. And over here, let's talk about, did something change for you with regards to what your belief is or how you feel you should be coming in during the day? Because when you got hired on, you know, this was our initial agreement. So it is a coaching tool it's a hiring tool. It's a training tool. And um, if we can do that with every single person that comes in, um, it's, a, it's a real game changer. 
And I would say, you know, to, to the independents who may be listening, obviously you're self-employed. Um, you probably don't have a job description per se, but what a great exercise to go through to, to create your own job description as a way to check in with yourself. Um, and I think also to make sure you've got all the bases covered. Um, as an independent, you know, you've got all not only the technical work to do and the customer service work to do, but hopefully marketing is on your job description. Hopefully financial management is on your job description and the list is long. But I think, you know, what we write down, you know, sometimes is 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 what we can best accomplish because you know we've we've done the act of documenting it. We have a way to check in with ourselves. I I, I couldn't agree with you more because it, you know in the end, whether you're independent, whether you work with a team of people, in the end, what environment are we creating for our customer? And a lot of times when there is not accountability, and this goes for independents and or people working in, you know, under a, a roof with a team of people, you know, they come in when they have a client, they leave when they don't have a client, they're calling clients and moving them around and not the best way to build, you know, to build a book, no matter, no matter, you know, what environment you're working in. So um, that piece of accountability, I think is awesome. When I, you know, I, I've been to your salon once, our, our, our good buddy Nina Kovner introduced us and uh, I was there for, I believe, one of the grand openings. It's been a few years now. And to this day, I, I remember not only how beautiful the salon was and the attention to detail and you, know, just, you just nailed it, um, but what really sticks out, I remember meeting your front desk crew and um, I, believe I, I believe I met two people, but the conversation went to numbers. I, it was a casual question I asked. And and it was like you had a couple human computers at the desk because they started telling me, you know, rebook rates and and um you know the referrals and 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 all that. So again, I, I think you know a culture that appreciates and and respects the math side of things and 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 knows it. And um talk about like what what are the numbers that matter most to whether again it's to a stylist, whether it's to an owner Give us a little bit of your insights into that. Well, that's funny to me, that story. When I, I didn't know that until today. Uh, so that makes me, it makes me proud and it makes me chuckle. Um, uh, like I had mentioned earlier, I think <clears throat> numbers are a gauge for us. And even though we're a big numbers company, um, to us, we coach behaviors because each behavior drives a number. And I, I talk to my staff about this. I say, look, you know, when I get on the scale in the morning, which isn't my <laughs> proudest moment most of the time, it's a number that I look at and it's a gauge to tell me what my behaviors have been, right? If I'm working out and I'm eating healthy and I'm drinking a lot of water, um, the number is going to be very different than if I'm binging all week. So that number um, I don't have to get wrecked over it. It's just telling me what behaviors I have been adopting uh, for a certain period of time. And that's no different than when we're looking at our, you know, retail per client ticket or our service uh, service per client ticket or our pre-booking rates or our percentage of guest purchasing. It's all feedback to tell us how we're communicating and connecting with our guest. And it's also feedback to tell us how quickly we'll build and or if our clients are liking us or not liking the experience. The numbers that are important to me, um, I look frequently if we're growing year over year, um, I look at numbers that are very important to me. Start off with my staff retention year over year. Uh, that is an indicator to me of 
what's I look at my staff as my customer and I, I say, what service are we providing to to my customer, which are my my teammates? Um, and so that retention piece is a really big um indicator of how we're managing. Are we staying relevant? Are we meeting the needs of um of our team? Uh, so we look at that. We look at um client count year over year, because after all, you know, if I don't have butts and chairs, it doesn't matter how high my service ticket is or my retail ticket. Um, so client count is a really, really big one. And inside that would be of that client count, how, how many of those clients are, are retained clients, how many of them are new clients, you know, how many are, how, what percentage are we growing year over year? And then I start looking at the detail. Right. So what is our service per service ticket? What is our our retail per client ticket? Uh, Big um, indicators to how we are actually doing with each guest. So first, I kind of look at the global picture and then I start to go down and do a little bit of a drill down to tell me what behaviors are we adopting day to day with each guest? I one of my favorite quotes is uh, Peter Drucker. He he said, um, what gets measured gets done. Yes, that and, is my motto in the salon. <laughs> I, I uh, it, it's it's really really powerful, and I to me the, the the metaphor is is something I think that so many people understand is um, if we're trying to change ourselves physically, whether we're trying to be more fit or whether we're trying to lose lose some weight, you know, it's that regular check in with ourselves that we get on the scale. Not every day, not every hour, but in a kind of a program specific way, depending on what we're trying to have happen. If we're running, you know, we check our heart rate every so often um, as part of a bigger plan to accomplish something. And so I would say to anybody who's listening, um, numbers do matter. And most of us get it in in other parts of our life. And I, again, I'm, I, it always concerns me that the industry struggles with the whole math thing still. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, in one of the courses we teach at Aveda Business College, it's called Benchmarking for Success. And we talk about the industry benchmarks because a lot mm. for so long there were no benchmarks. So it's it's like, well, how do I rate? I don't know. Am I doing good in relationship to what the top, you know, salons are doing? And so we developed uh, Aveda developed, we developed these benchmarks um, with uh, successful salons from across the country. And um, it gives us something to strive towards, you know, and, and if we're hitting these specific benchmarks, and we have a very high probability of a specific uh, profit margin. And, um, you know, we talk about in that class that, that most industries have benchmarks, like in the health industry, Right. I mean, the benchmark for your blood pressure, the benchmark to hit for your cholesterol, for your, you know, your BMI. And so that tells you a story and gives you goals to say, I want to be as healthy as I can be. And it's no different for our industry that we want to look at these benchmarks and say, I want my business to be healthy because with a healthy business comes sustainability. And, um, you know, I have a responsibility to 80 people, 80 people have mouths they need to feed under my roof. And it's my response, number one responsibility to keep the doors open and whatever that takes. I love that. I, I absolutely love what you just said. Um, I think clearly coaching your staff um, is is something that you're very active in doing. 
Um, I know that coaching is, I think there's a lot more awareness of the value today of coaches. And I, I, I know a lot of people who are taking advantage of those. Um, you've launched a new business, Beauty Backbone, and, and you mentioned Train You. And I know there's some coaching elements to that. So talk about the value of having a coach, first of all, and then give us a little bit of info about what, what is Beauty Backbone and, and what are you trying to achieve there? Well, I think that for those of us that need accountability, and I'm one that needs accountability. I have a business coach off and on through, and I have had one through the course of my my hairdressing and salon ownership career. And they're different people depending on what I am looking for. I mean, uh, you know, our, our mutual friend, Nina Kovner, right? She's like my, <laughs> she's like my buddy coach, you know, she's yep. like, what are you doing? You know, she'll Mine come too. out and be like, I'm coaching you without even you at, without you even asking me to coach you. <laughs> um, and so I love that. And then there's, you know, and then I have more traditional coaches, just like, you know, I have a trainer that I work with at the gym that I need accountability that way too. And, um, so I think that, um, that coaching, if you're feeling that you have a higher potential than you're really pushing yourself to, um, to attain that a coach would be is, is an amazing thing to do. It's also amazing when you say, I know there's more out there, but I don't really know what I don't know. So I just want to learn what I don't know that other people are doing that could help me. So I don't have to continue to reinvent the wheel. And, um, and I think that could be kind of a, you know, enter beauty backbone, uh, and um, so you asked me to talk a little bit about how that came into into play. Um, you know, I've been I've been doing education for years. I've been teaching for years. I've been you know traveling, um, and I've had the honor of just working with so many people. And for twenty 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 five years, I w- I'm, I go out on the road. I you know do a program and I start getting emails. Can you send me this? Can you send me that, that you talked about? And so I spend a lot of time after these programs, which I'm sure you can relate to, um, with a lot of, um, after questions and and whatnot. And my business partner, Carla has said to me for years, because a lot of times the emails go to the salons and I forward them to the managers and they're like, is there not an easier way? Like, is there one place you can keep all this stuff for all the for the emails that are coming in? And so Carla has said to me forever, we need to build a website that's a resource center, you know, for salon owners that these things live on there. Salon owners, managers, people that want to, you know, facilitate growth in their own businesses. And um, I said, I know, I know, but who has time for that? That's like an undertaking and yada, yada. So, you know, this has been, this conversation with Carla and I has been going on for uh, 10 years. And, um, a couple of years ago, um, I was at a program that, um, that, uh, the Neil corporation puts on called serious business every year in January. And I speak there, I'm a speaker there often. And we were there a couple of years ago. And, uh, when we were there, we had just, I, I want to say finished or completed the revision of our educational program. And when I say completed, like nothing's ever done, right? It, it's always <laughs> revisions of, but it was, um, we hired a guy a couple of years ago that was an uh, educator, one of the, at Paul Mitchell, one of the schools here in San Diego. And he came to us as a stylist and became our, our lead education director and really brought a lot of additional structure to our training program that was already, I thought, amazing. and very comprehensive. And he came in and I was like, Oh, I didn't know what I didn't even know. Right. He came in as like a, 
an expert in training, um, in technical training. And I thought, wow. So, I mean, this was like our education program became so comprehensive, so structured. It, I it had never been that before. And so when we were at Serious Business, I met up with a couple of my buddies and uh, Lupe Voss and Ginger Boyle and Luca Boccia and Scott Buchanan and all those all of those amazing people. And, you know, I was like, you guys have got to see this. You know, I, I just had a little bit of bragging rights. I said, oh, my God. And John, who developed it, um, he was with us. I go, look at what he has done. I am so excited, you know, about our education program. And they were all looking at it and they go, can John come out and help us? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I was like, you mean you need help too? I mean, these are like, you know, they're world renowned educators, right. you know? And, um, and, uh, they said, yeah, I mean, we don't have this kind of structure. And, um, I said, well, I mean, so John says to me on the flight home, he goes, I'm a little bit like, I don't know how to process this weekend. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I, I am so busy in the salon and now training the trainers, you know, on this program that I, I don't think I can like, I don't have time to be going here and there and everywhere. And this idea, you know, came to my mind on the plane home from that weekend. And I said, we're not done with the program yet. And he said, well, what are you talking about? I said, it needs to be rewritten again. And he said, we just finished it. And uh, I said, I know, but let's reflect on this weekend. If like these people that are at the top of their game need help with more structure in their education program, and we have that to offer, this needs to be written for the hairdressing community. This is like great that we have this, but you know, who we are as a company is how do we bring this then and roll this out to our community so that they also can benefit from having a more structured program? And one thing I think I can safely say as a hairdresser myself, structure is not, you know, <laughs> usually something that comes supernatural to us because we're more creative, you know, beings. And so, you know, when you get somebody that is very linear thinking that can bring the creative with uh, more structure, you have a beautiful thing that's born. And so we worked over uh, the year over uh, 2016 to take what we had and turn it into uh, a program called Train You. And uh, that's our education piece of Beauty Backbone. Uh, it lives under the education uh, the content of Beauty Backbone. And it's a program that salons can go on. It's an online platform that um, helps uh, salon owners. It's a program they buy. I mean, usually we send people out to become a trainer. We pay for their education. They go create this their own education binder. They come back. They teach their program. And then when they leave or they're out sick, there's no program again. And then the salon owner starting from square one again. So this is a, uh, it doesn't teach you how to cut color or blow dry hair. It teaches the structure around a cut color and blow dry system. Uh, so they get to bring in all the technical, the great technical they're already doing. And um, we take them uh, through uh, a blow dry, six week blow dry training, a technical 101, phase one, phase two with structured classes that they insert whatever technical training they're going to do with evaluation forms and feedback forms and class structure. And we uh, have our own learning style called our five learning points that uh, what we do is we structure this around, we actually train the trainers for salons. 
and it's done through an online platform uh, where they get three coaching sessions. And by the third one, they're ready to launch it to their team. So it's company owned. The company owns it. And they send if if a trainer ends up wanting to step down as being a trainer, or maybe they want to move on to do something else, the salon owner doesn't have to fret. They just send them back through three more coaching sessions. And we already have their um, how they want to customize their program there. And, and they send their trainers to us and we take them through the training program again. And within a couple of weeks to a month or however long it takes them, um, they're out on the floor. Then they have a new trainer. So um it has been, we have a lot of salons um, doing that now. And it's just been such a joy to see people flourishing in the education department of their own companies where either A, they had a program and didn't know how to structure it, or B, we have salons that come to us and say, we don't even know how to start an education program and and we get them uh, set up. So by virtue of training their trainers, they also have a super comprehensive education program that is, um, it's, it's very customizable to whether you have multiple salons or one salon. So, so it's been a um, huge learning curve for us. And um, now I'm in the, you know, in the uh, online business. I'm like, what, <laughs> what sandbox am I playing in now? You know, <laughs> I love so, it. uh, it's been super fun though. And I, I love it. It's, it's, it's new and different. And when I'm learning, I feel uh, at my most joyful, I think. So, so if I understand correctly, and I'm, I'm looking at, at the name again, Beauty Backbone, it sounds like it's, it's the skeleton, the the framework that a salon is going to kind of layer in um, or, or on top of um, their own approach to cutting or coloring or um, is, is that a correct way of saying it? Absolutely. So, you know, each salon, I think, has, you know, a different way of cut, coloring, blow drying. We're working on waxing and skincare now, but of doing their technical work. So some people cut in the Sassoon, the Aveda, the Pivot Point, you know, Paul Mitchell, um, Tony and Guy, and uh, however, however, uh, they're coloring, hair color magic, whatever, whatever they're doing. And um they have their own system and we help them to design how many classes um, based on how quickly they want their education program to be. Some people want a three month program, a six month program, a year long program. Some people are specialized. Some people are generalized. So we help them to structure an education program with how many classes, how many models, how many doll heads people will need. We have pre-written classes for them where they actually, um, it's scripted and they could use our script or create their own, but we have a templates for them. So anybody can get up and teach. And then, you know, once you open the class and you get to the actual technical piece, that's where you bring your technical in. But we help structure each class. Uh, one thing I think is so cool is usually how we used to do it is when we'd evaluate people before they got say, tested out to go out onto the floor, we'd say, um, as being an educator myself, I'm like, oh, God, that looks really good. You know, I feel like you're ready to be out on the floor. Well, when I had another educator saying, well, they feel like you're ready to go out on the floor too. Both of our feelings could come from two, two very separate uh, viewpoints. And so we've created a really um, comprehensive even checkoff sheet when people are testing out their staff to go out on the floor. So we have all of like, the structure pieces around it, we have an educator handbook, a student handbook, um, all of the forms and resources so that people could really build a very comprehensive education program. And like I said, 
any salon can customize it to how long they want it to be or how short they want it to be, but it just creates the structure around it. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Um, I'm sitting here like kind of all excited in my chair because, you know, I, I grew up with education in the industry and, and this is actually quite profound what you're saying. And I, I haven't heard of anything quite like this before. And um, because, you know, I spent a long time with Pivot Point and at the beginning of my career. And, and one of the things I learned from Leo Passage, the founder was, was, how important, how absolutely critical structure is in empowering learners. Without structure, you know, it's it's a random series of stuff. Um, you can learn, you can get to a certain place, but you supercharge education when you start to add structure in a thoughtful way. And the fact that you're bringing this to salons and 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 you know, doing anything at a sophisticated level it just takes more resources. Not every salon you know, has the resources to develop their own educational programs. I mean, that's a, that's, that's big, important work to have this available um, to me, to a salon that has a good system, that has a good approach to how they do what they do, but perhaps lacks the structure. This could be an absolute game changer. Well, and it has been, you know, when we first um, developed it in 2016. We were writing it and we put Luca uh, Bochia. He owns Pure Salons out of Florida. He has four uh, salons and I think they're getting ready to open their fifth one. And um, uh, Lupe Voss, who is an Aveda global educator and also uh, owns Hair Color Magic. And, you know, Ginger Boyle, should, do I need to say anything more from yes. Planet Salon? I mean, she's <laughs> iconic. Icon. Um, uh, we, uh, we took their, uh, we took those three companies and, you know, we have, now we have a, a Luca who has multiple locations. Um, uh, Lupe, they're generalized and um, Ginger, they're specialized along with our salons are specialized and we have uh, multiples and we ran these guys and their trainers through train you. And they were just blown away at the changes and the um, now their students know what to expect. So, I mean, when we hire people on and the people that are running to train you now, you hire someone and you could say, okay, you know, given you're running through your education program at the, at the clip that it's written and you're bringing in your models and doing the things that you need to be doing, this is when you'll be done with your blow dry training. This is when you'll be done with your first technical 101. So if you're going through these on this specific date is when you are slated to go out on the floor. So um, it has become, uh, I think, uh, it, and it is the backbone now of, um, and, you know, our tagline there is aligning beauty and business. And beauty backbone is the backbone structure, whether it is education. And right now we're in the process of building um operational structures for salons that people can go on and download systems on how to promote their staff. And um, we have a culture is a whole another subsection there. You know, we um, are going to help salons with their culture. So all of these different programs that we do at Gila Root that, you know, we get asked to email a gazillion people out to will be living on um, the Beauty Backbone website. So that's kind of under construction now. What is live now is um, our train you program. That's that's something that um, is really taking off. And, um, and you're right, I, I haven't, we have not heard of anything like this. We hear about a lot of technical training programs, but I have yet to hear of a program that, um, or we would have gotten it. 
I'm not one to recreate the wheel. You know, I don't want to write my own educator handbook, my own student handbook, you know, all these forms and resources. I would have rather downloaded them from somebody else's website. Um, but we didn't find that available. So, uh, so that's what we've been up to. I love it. It's exciting stuff. Um, you mentioned serious business. I have to, I have to give a shout out to serious business. It, it, I believe it's one of the absolute finest events in the professional beauty industry. I think ev- everybody needs to try to someday find their way to serious business. It's, it's kind of like the Ted talks of beauty oh, yeah. um, with a lot more and, um, you know, power networking, uh, such a great audience and Vino Corp and, and Deborah Neal, who, who, you know, is the, kind of the guru behind this. It's just such a fabulous event. And I, I will be there. Um, I don't know, January, February, when is it this year? It's in January. It's the end of January. Yeah. So again, yeah, probably third week. I'm sorry. Yes. They're about the third weekend uh, in January. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to put it on their bucket, their beauty bucket list. I completely agree. I mean, it is, um, not this past January, I spoke at this this past January, the one before I didn't speak at. And I was like, I love speaking there and I love the audience there. But I loved also when I went and I was not a speaker because I got to network and not have to freak out whether my program was going to be a success or not. You know how we do. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but to go and really network and just dig my heels in and listen to the speakers that they that they bring in. It is, I agree with you, it's one of the best programs of the year. You're a power networker. Um, and again, that's such a, a great place to, to do that. You mentioned all kinds of, of powerful people over the course of this conversation. I know you've collected probably a long list of advice from all the great people that you've met over the years. But I love to ask everybody, uh, what is the best advice that you've ever received received professionally and, and, and why? Um, I received this bit of advice and I don't remember who it's from. So if you gave it to me and you're listening, please forgive me. Um, but I have taken it on for so many years. And it's this quote that says, be now what you want to become. Mm. And I have taken that to heart on every single level of my career. You know, for people that are just starting out, if you want to be, you know, $100,000 a year hairdresser, how do you show up today? How do you look? How do you network? How do you market? How do you treat your clients? It's what be now in this moment, what you want to become, and then you will become it. Um, Same thing with what kind of leader do I want to be? You know, I can't say, well, God, down the road, when I start getting recognized, I'll be this like, you know, humble person. But until then, you know, I'll be an egomaniac. Um, you know, so it, it's kind of like, I think when has this, <laughs> this uh, saying where he talks about, um, you know, if I'm out looking for a date, you know, oh, if I find, if I, when I finally find the right person, then I'll be nice. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, if you're nice now, you probably already have found the, the right person for you. You know, so it kind of is along those same lines. It just be now what you want to become. I love that. It reminds me a little bit of the Gandhi quote, you know, be the change mm. that you wish to see in the yes. world. And um, it's kind of like, uh, be the change you wish to see in yourself. Yes. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, Again, knowing we, you know, we have a very diverse audience, but I, I, I think knowing some of them, um, there's a lot of interest in opening your own salon, being your own boss. What would be the best advice that you would give to anybody thinking about taking that big leap in their professional life? Did you hear me go quiet? Yes. 
<laughs> I, that, was, that was my answer. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, what is my, my, my best advice? I have so much advice for somebody that is looking to, uh, to open a business. Um, I would say that you have to be ready to dig in your heels and work your ass off. I mean, you, you have to be ready for that. And I don't think kind of like being a parent, anyone could ever tell you what it's like to have a child until it comes out and it's screaming and you're like, I didn't expect this. <laughs> so, um, so you have to be ready to dig your heels in. Um, I would recommend taking business courses prior to even taking any steps about looking for places and signing leases and really look, um, look at the business side of it and say, what is it going to take for me to have a successful, sustainable business? And then honestly say, am I willing to do that? Uh, because doing an honest inventory of yourself is one of the most responsible things you can do for yourself and the people that are around you. Because so many people that have embarked on this endeavor just go, I didn't even realize it was going to be like this. And, and then they close their doors. In fact, there's a lot of salons closing right now. I'm getting calls almost daily. I mean, I, I feel like there's like, you know, I could go out shopping right now for salons. And I don't like that. I mean, that that's disheartening to me that the industry is changing and you have to have your finger um, on the trigger and really know what creates a successful, sustainable business. So business courses. And you know, there's such a wealth of information in this industry. I mean, it's all been done. Um, The good, the bad, and the ugly of being in this industry, running a business, the the successes, the failures. Um, There's so many people that any of us can tap into to learn about those experiences, to learn what works and, and what doesn't, um, to find mentors, to find role models. Um, for anybody who's looking to, to head in that direction of ownership, um, what's your take on, on role models, whether it's the role model salon or a role model owner and finding those people and or businesses? I think it's kind of like trying to find a salon to work in, is doing your research, is does how that business is being run align with who I am as a person and what, what, what I would like to see for myself. I mean, that's how I would find a salon to work in, right? I would, I would look to see what do they wear? I would go in as a customer and I would look to just look around and see how, how this company operates and to find a mentor. I think that, that I, it would make sense to me that, um, you would look for the same things, you know, where, where is a like-minded person that's doing what I want to be doing and how do I tap into that? That is such great advice. And I, I really haven't heard that thought expressed around mentorship and around role models. And it's, um, again, it's, it's, it's an important thought um, because I think we hear those words tossed around so easily these days. And I think to have a, a process to really seek out the right ones, the right fit, that makes so much sense. I'm I'm so glad you shared that. You know, real on a a quick side note. You know, I went into um to the gym and I said, you know, I want to I want to get a trainer, and so can you match me up with someone? And I said, and these are the things I'm looking for. You know, I need I don't care if it's a, a woman or a man, but I need somebody that like eats well and has a, has a great nutritional you know values, and and I and it needs to be somebody that like looks good so that I could look to, you know, I could look to them and say, you are practicing what you preach. So if I got set up with somebody that, you know, went to McDonald's every day and, um, and didn't 
look like somebody I aspire to be when working out in that domain, you know, I don't know that that would be inspiring for me. I chose not to get a trainer because when I went and asked for one, I, I said that I want someone who knows everything that has to be done but who looks less fit than I do so I can maintain my self-esteem during the training <laughs> sessions. <laughs> so, so, I don't, so I don't go to the gym to this day. <laughs> but, awesome. I like that. Yeah. The, uh, anyway, uh, another question I love to ask everybody is, um, what are you reading, listening to, viewing, obsessing about, anything you would recommend to our audience and, and why you think that might be a, a, something they may want to take a look at? Work-life balance is always on the top of my mind, and it's something that some things come natural to some people, and this one element doesn't come natural to me, which is my uh, work, my personal balance, and then my family balance. It's kind of in, I have three different categories there. And um, what I am obsessed with right now is my own personal balance and um, personally balancing how I view things and view the world. And so I'm obsessed with Deepak Chopra right now and Oprah Winfrey because they have collaborated on their 21 day meditation series and they have a million 21 day meditation series. And, um, I love, uh, when I am working inside those series, it's 20 minutes every morning when I wake up and it truly helps me to find, uh, my, my center, uh, and a way to view the day that helps me to enjoy myself and let go of natural stress that would just build up in me automatically just from walking out my door because I feel like I have so many things to do. Um, so that, that has been a saving grace for me. And I, I've been advocating, uh, this for a really long time. And I couple that with, um, with some yoga. And um, I started going to a healer a couple of years ago. And that has really, what comes natural for me is to multitask and be a workaholic. That comes easy for me. So what I have to work on is not, not reading a bunch of business books, <laughs> is, um, <laughs> is, is, is to stop that and, um, and start, you know, looking, looking within and seeing what really adds value to my life. And, and I think, uh, how I can, how I view things softer with more gratitude and um, looking at things differently helps me to add value to my overall life with my family and myself and with my work. That is such a great point to end on. I, I think it helps to also explain why you've had the success that you've had because it's, uh, you know, that balance in life is absolutely critical um, for us to maintain the energy, to keep our minds clear and, and focused and get all the hard work done. And you, you certainly have managed to do that over the course of your career. So, we're, we're out of time. I want to thank you so much. Um, I also want you to share, however, where people can follow you online, where they can find Beauty Backbone online and train you. Well, beautybackbone.com. 
and you find train you uh, on the beauty backbone website you can find us on insta uh, uh beauty backbone uh, i have a, a pretty big presence with uh, carrie r davis on instagram not huge i don't mean huge but the majority of what i do shows up there my personal shows up there what i'm doing in business shows up there i i'm not obsessed with my numbers <laughs> my social numbers that's not an area that i i focus my energy but i do show up when i have energy to go there um and then our salon at gilaroot.com if you want to check those out and gilaroot on instagram so those are kind of our my three little my three avenues that i i uh i walk in and for those who want to google your salons um please give us a spelling uh, it's g-i-l-a-r-u-t.com perfect perfect thank you so much um carrie davis this has been such a joy we've tried to do it for such a long time i am so excited to have you you are a, a passionate salon owner an inspiring educator a, a thought leader and a coach in business um founder of gila root salons or co-founder i should say of gila root salons and beauty backbone a wife and a mom thank you so much for being with american Aww. salon stories today such a pleasure thanks for having me all right talk to you soon bye and we'll be back next week with another American Salon Stories podcast. In the meantime, we hope you'll follow American Salon on Instagram, where we're known as American underscore Salon, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash American Salon. That's all one word. And of course, on americansalon.com, where you can also subscribe to the Daily Beauty Fix e-newsletter. This is American Salon guest contributor and harebrained CEO, Gordon Miller, and I can't wait to bring you another American Salon Stories podcast next week. Music.